This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 316, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. Welcome to the first iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast of 2012, episode number 316. My name is Ron Richards, and as always, I'm here with Josh Flanagan. I'm a little rusty. I'm just going to put that out there at the beginning. <laughs> and, and Connor Gilpatrick. I'm coming! <laughs> it's not, couldn't even show up. It's, oh, hey! Sorry. <laughs> it is good to be back after our little holiday hiatus there at the end of 2011, but we it's 2012, and we're back in the swing of things, and we are from the website ifanboy.com, which is a website that is all about comics and comic books and comic book culture and the enjoyment of all those said things, and every week a bunch of comics come out, and we read a ton of them, and one of us uh, picks the comic that we feel was the uh, pick of the week, the, the one that we got the most enjoyment out of that week, writes a review of it over on ifanboy.com, and then we come here to this year podcast to chat about it, as well as other comic book miscellanea and things of interest. Uh, before we get into the show, a quick r- uh, reminder and warning that the, we will be talking about what happens in the comics, so we're going to spoil them a bit. So if you haven't read your comic books from last week, uh, we advise you to press pause and come back, or you know, be warned as you continue to listen. Um, 2012 is a year of no prisoners, so uh, we can't <laughs> we can't be responsible for your your, your spoilers. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Josh had the uh, had the daunting task of the first pick of the week of 2012. Josh, you, take it away. You poor bastard. You poor bastard. And you, was, you swerved. I, you swerved. It's not. It wasn't just me though, right? I mean, no. let's be. It was no. a shit start to the year. Oh, I, yeah. it was. It was. It was an all right week, but it, it wasn't no. great. Yeah, yeah. It was very it was, mediocre. It was, yeah, it was very it mediocre. Was, yeah. Uh, and I and I don't. I don't mean to take that away from the pick of the week, which uh, almost nothing I could say would spoil for you. By the way, uh, in regards to taking no prisoners. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did he miss the football? <laughs> The Red Baron, uh, he prevailed. Uh, the pick of the week was was Peanuts number one. Who knew? Boom. I I surprised myself. <laughs> Boom um, Studios. Boom Studios at the Kaboom section, which is uh, the, the kid the kid friendly, the all ages bits of it. Um, it really was one of those weeks where I I I just wasn't enjoying the books I was reading. They were just sort of uh, blah. And and at the end of it, the only one that I laughed at, the one that I had fun, was I I really enjoyed reading um, Peanuts number one, which was a it was like a little little Peanuts compendium. There were there were th- uh, three original sections, two sort of longer stories, um, and and uh, and then a little tiny one page uh, Charles Schultz, uh, I guess archival strips in between them. Um, just a, just a, a fun little package and. It felt like peanuts, and I was like, and I hadn't, I hadn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not a giant peanuts fan, but I watched them. I really like the tone of those cartoons, and I was like, you know, when you, you know, when you're younger, 
Everybody knows about them and they like them, at least if you're our age and in America. Oh, man, but, I, remember, um, I remember the library had, had basically trade paperbacks of old Peanuts yeah. strips. I had all those books. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. We, we used to – we'd fight over who could take them out of the library and like there would – like people get in trouble for hogging them and stuff like that. Oh, God, like second grade to like fourth grade, that was that was it. It was a crack. But you heard that – you know, like then, then as you get older, you hear that you know, Charles Schultz is considered to be a, a master – yeah. You know, of the form. And, you know, when you're younger, it's a little hard to see that. But, you know, when you're older, it, you know, you know, you've been around comics a lot. You've read all sorts of stuff. You're like, I can totally I can totally see where his really unique voice and take on these these characters. And, and just because they're simple or just for their for kids, it doesn't mean that there's not a whole lot of strokes of brilliance in it. Um, and, and the cartooning is is really, really wonderful. It set the stage for everything. <laughs> you know everything great that comes after it. Yeah, I mean, it, um, it really is one of those American institutions. I mean, even even totally. if, you know coming coming off of the holidays, you know, you look at one of the the great Christmas TV specials is the Charlie Brown Christmas. You know, like mm-hmm. it really resonates. Even you know, even though we talk about like people, you know, we say if you were like us as kids growing up, whatever. But it, even though Charles Schultz, he's dead, right? He passed away, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, even though he's been, even though he's dead, I mean, like the, the the strips still run in newspapers. They're still syndicated. You know, it's, it's yeah. Like, there's a whole industry around Schultz. Yeah. And, and in a way that it's, it's different than Garfield. Yes. Uh, which, which when I was a kid, I thought was great. And now is 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 a joke. Really, and, you know, I mean, yeah, Garfield's just a bunch of lasagna jokes. I mean, when you yeah. think about it, when it comes down to it, you know, like there, all, all the Peanuts characters are these little, these little microcosms of adult people. Yes, but but it's, it's greatly simplified. <clears throat> the point being, uh, I, I really I enjoyed this issue. Uh, they, I thought they really got the voice down. I thought they got the um, the the cartooning looked looked pretty spot on. And uh, I had fun with it. I laughed a couple of times out loud, and like I just wasn't doing that on anything this week. the uh, The main stories are by uh, <laughs> not even Stormwatch. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the main stories are by uh, Vicky Scott, who did the pencils and uh, and and story for um, the ma- the first sort of longer segment, and then this little bit at the end on how to draw Charlie Brown, which is there's a lot there's a lot of Lucy in this book. Let me just let me just put that straight. It's a very, it was a Lucy centric book. Um, that bitch. And then you're not kidding. <laughs> I'm guessing a lot of a lot of late baby boomer uh, sexism has to do with Lucy. Um, uh, and then the other story was by um, Shane Houghton of Reed Gunther fame and artist uh, Matt Whitlock. And it was just there were simple cartoons. There was there was no you know there was no Jim Lee magic going on. There wasn't any reinvention happening here. But what there was were you know sort of fun, well characterized stories, and I thought they were drawn really well. The first story was uh, basically Lucy gets a song, song stuck in her head. It's take me out to the ball game, and she can't get rid of it. She's really mad about it. She tries to get it stuck in Charlie Brown's head, and he's like, I, I like this song. It's pretty good. And she's mad that he likes it, and then he starts sharing it with other people, and they all like it, and they're having fun. And then she's mad that they're all having fun, and, and then she gets it stuck in her head again. But it gets passed around like only one person can have it stuck in their head at the same time. Is it a metaphor you know, for for SCD? I think, I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a gonorrhea parable. I see. Um, and uh, the, you know the the little Charles Charles Schultz strips were fun, and then the the second story was um, uh, Lucy tries to rent out Snoopy as a bloodhound to help find a cat because she's not making she any money. She is a bitch. She really- yeah, <laughs> but, it, but there's you know there's some really fun segments. There's this one segment we put up in the panels of the week. Where she's she's telling the girl she tells the girl oh no he's part bloodhound and Snoopy of course is a beagle I mean let's let's be honest and the girl keeps getting closer and closer to him and Snoopy's uh, muzzle gets all bunched up and and I, in my head I could hear that sound that he makes like I could just hear the cartoon uh, sort of coming with my head it made me laugh I really enjoyed it um, it was it was a fun book and it was like and I just couldn't help but think out of sort of all the books that I read were just like all the other books I've read 
this is the kind of thing that you know you should. You, this is there needs to be more of comics like these. More more people will enjoy them. Kids kids can read this. I'm just four bucks, but. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, kids will read that. And that's no, like, I know, yeah. I know. But <laughs> well, no, but like, I like the you, idea. You, of it. I like you, that it exists a lot. Yeah, you never know. I mean, because it's like because you think about it. I mean, like we we get so caught up in the you know in the complicated comic books and what is comics and stuff like that. But really, you know, like we, you know, I personally I was weaned on 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 Garfield and Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes and all stuff like that, and it, that was all elementary school. And so having new material in the world for kids that age, you know, like I don't know if I would have gotten into comics the way I am now if I didn't read those in elementary school. Yeah. So you know, I think I think it's a good thing. So, and I just I just really enjoyed it. I have no, I you know, I have no no caveats on it other than that. It was it was a lot of fun. I thought it was pretty well done. I think uh, going forward, it'd be cool. This is a four issue miniseries that you know maybe this was focusing on Lucy specifically. It would be cool if the next one was say a Linus issue. And do you want? Do you think that? Do you think that? Well, who knows? We're speculating what what they might what they might do. But it would be nice if they focus on the other characters. Other or is there some sort of Lucy? Um, uh, Industrial gold. complex. Yeah, exactly. Some sort of you know <laughs> Lucy based message that, that that the people behind these books are trying to get across. It's the feminist lobby. I mean, let's <laughs> let's be honest. They got a lot of power because the GOP debate's coming up, and this is the other side of it. And it, frankly, they're they're frightening. And it's quite grassroots. I mean, going going through the peanuts, you know, as yeah. a mouthpiece. Yeah, it's is, it's yeah. a really subtle punch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have to you have to be pretty well informed to be able to pick up on this kind of it's stuff. It's that liberal. It's that liberal elite, man. They're just they'll mm-hmm. get you at any any way they can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> So I liked the Peanuts book. <laughs> Did either of you guys read the Peanuts book? I no. no, no. That's what I. I thought maybe you would because you I'm guys went inter- to read the Muppets comics. because yeah, it's, it's 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 you're talking about an art that's so closely associated with one person. It's like if they put out a Calvin and Hobbes comic that Bill Watterson had nothing to do with. I wouldn't read it except, either. Except except no one else has ever done Calvin and Hobbes, and I'm fine with that. But we've seen a billion interpretations. Yeah, but the thing is, as Ron said, as a kid, I was huge. I had all those peanut books. My, my dad yeah, but you watched the cartoons, somewhere. right? Right. Yeah, but it's, it's a different medium. It's a different right, medium. Right, but, but did you – right, but yeah, but did you – this is going in a whole other direction. But did you read Peanuts because you love Charles Schultz? Well, I read as a kid, but as, but as yeah. an adult now, I recognize how closely associated it was with one person. I wouldn't necessarily do it the same way. I wouldn't read a Sherlock Holmes novel not written by Arthur Doyle. So – all right. That's just that's just you know it's a, it's very it's a very personal work. Yeah. So I'm not really interested in other interpretations. Of it. Yeah. I have I have no de- I have no uh, specific politics like that. I just was t- I just had a busy week. I just didn't get to it. Sorry. <laughs> I will read it. They got to you too. <laughs> they did. So ah. anyways, I'm moving on. So the the probably the biggest release of the week was uh, uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips's new creator owned book Fatal number one, uh, published by Image. Did you guys uh, partake in the Fatal? It was all right. Yeah. I got through it. Come, so coming off of one of the best series of 2011, Criminal: Last of the Innocent, um, you know, Fatal was promised to be a a noirish horror book. Um, you just thought it was all right, Connor? If I felt about this the same way I did about Incognito, you know, yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather have more Criminal. I'm not really all that interested in in what's going on here. It was okay. The art was fine. Um, but it, it, when I finished it, I felt no real real compelling reason to continue reading. I probably will, but yeah. Um, and it's it, it's almost the same exact reaction I had to Incognito, which is I don't really care. But interesting, because I actually I actually found it really compelling. I actually it it did it, 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 it didn't. I thought I, after reading it, it didn't go how I thought it would. 
Um, and I actually found myself go, like at the end of it going, oh, I can't wait for the next issue. Um, it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is the best thing, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And I definitely like Criminal Last of the Innocent possibly better. But um, I liked the groundwork that was laid in this, at least in terms of the uh, then and now kind of aspect of it. And the fact that you've got something happening, you know, in the present day and with ties to the past. I thought that was um, at least for me, it was engaging. I just I just I just couldn't sink my teeth into it. Yeah, I tried and I was bored. Yeah, was the thing, and I, I did, you know, these two guys used to be my favorite thing out there. I know, yeah, and and I don't know if it's just that, I don't think it's that they've gotten worse or whatever. It's just it's the it's the same trick. Yeah, it's the same voice. It's the same thing, and maybe I've had enough of it. Yeah, or well, I was or, gonna say there's been a lot over the past couple of years. It's yeah, been, it's been a lot. Yeah, and I just like I don't. It's like one of those diminishing returns things yeah uh so i i don't know i was i was i was really i just didn't care as yeah. i was reading it and uh i suspected that might be the case you know yeah just because but uh i don't know there was nothing about it that, that stuck out um that is any different than anything it was just like oh it's it's like another criminal arc yeah. that is i do gotta admit i love i love that uh the the back cover the panel that they pulled from the book on the back cover the shot of the street like i just I thought that was great i don't know that's a great image well yeah. i mean the art's yeah. fine it's yeah although there's a couple of instances where the main character looked a lot different from panel to panel but yeah um it was, that's, well, that, that's that's kind of i'm struggling a little bit with sean phillips because I'm, I'm getting the feeling that like everybody just looks the same throughout all the books you know yeah. what i mean like that's well, like steve dillon or anybody with the yeah you know. yeah Jim Lee, the yeah. Sean Phillips, he's I mean, he's one of my favorites. I think he's one of the best guys out there. But because he's been doing this with Ed Brubaker for so long, like all the books are starting to look the same. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he, you know, you can see him I've seen him do other stuff that, you know, with other artists. You know, like I remember when he you did Marvel Zombies the first time and you're like, what a weird choice for it. But he was yeah. great for it. You yeah, know? Yeah. Not that I wanted to do zombie books or whatever, but it'd be cool, you know, to see see the other stuff he can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm in, I'm intrigued by it. I'm gonna stay, I'm definitely gonna stick with it. I want to see where it goes. Um, you know, it, it, it takes part of it takes place in San Francisco, so it's got me on one level there. And then it's got you know, and like I said, I like the the history aspect of it. Um, you know, I'm not too keen on horror and that sort of thing, so I'm curious to see how horror this will go. Um, this wasn't too horrific. Um, it, it might have been there's the whiff of Cthulhu that I was just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the whiff of Cthulhu. Yeah, it's like a slightly briny. <laughs> you can get you can get that at Macy's. For the, yeah, <laughs> in the purple. They'll, they'll spray it right on you. You won't even, they won't yeah. even ask. It's just dressed all in black, so you don't really see her coming. The when you're a Cthulhu all day long. Yeah, whiff of Cthulhu. <laughs> from, Cal, from Calvin Klein. <laughs> I don't even know what Cthulhu is. I have no idea either. I, I live honestly, in a world where everybody's like Cthulhu this and Skyrim that, yeah. and I just I can't keep up. Tebow. What the fuck is a Tebow? I have no idea. I have no idea. No one will shut up about this guy. <laughs> well, according to Wikipedia. This guy can't throw football. Let's move on. According to Wikipedia, Cthulhu is a fictional character who first appeared in the short story The Call of Cthulhu, published in the pulp magazine Weird Tales in 1928. The character was created by H.P. Lovecraft. So there you go. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, H- there's a word. Lovecraft is thrown around all the time as a as – a, It's very as Lovecraftian. A, yeah, as, a, as an adjective. It's yeah. Lovecraftian. I don't know what that means. It's Cthulhu. It smells a little like squid. <laughs> Lovecraftian. I actually so, had some calamari for dinner the other night. It was a little, yeah. it was a little Lovecraftian. Lovecraftian. H.P. Lovecraft uh, is an American author of horror, fantasy, and science fiction, especially the subgenre known as weird fiction. You know what we're doing now? We're generating posts of disbelief. <laughs> exactly. 
What? We never I can't said. Believe. We never said. Never, we, here's what you need to read. We, yeah, we never said we knew everything. <laughs> I don't want to. I know exactly. Weird uh, fiction. No, I'm love, good. It's very Lovecraftian. <laughs> I knew who Lovecraft is. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, I know. I, I mean, like I know vaguely who he is. I just never followed up on it, and I don't care. Not yours. It's not what you're interested in. You want to know what's look. funny? You want to know what's funny is that I absolutely confuse Lovecraft with um, the people behind the HR Puffin stuff. <laughs> I believe they're different, but I don't know. <laughs> they're different. For years, I thought because because it, it's H.P. Lovecraft and H.R. Puffin stuff, and so like I just thought they were the same thing. And so when everyone was like, "Oh wow, that's so that's that's, that's so Lovecrafty," and I'm like, "Really? They like that kids show? That Sid and Marty Croft show?" It's like, <laughs> well, Croft Lovecraft. Yeah, and it's the H the H.P. H.R. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. one little line. Yeah. <laughs> makes those initials the same. Oh, I like when we admit things. I'm also going to admit that I'm kind of enjoying the Defenders for Marvel, which is again not a, you'd be the only one. I would be. Yeah, um, uh, I didn't get to talk about it when the first issue came out because I, I was off that week. But um, so Defenders number two came out this week, and fra- Fractions writing it with Terry Dotson, and it's just it's 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 just fun old style Marvel kind of uh, action. Um, and I do got to admit that I that I'm a sucker for the uh, for the dumb bottom of the page. Uh, uh, little commentary stuff like they used to do back in the day, um, which is you know admittedly dumb, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy it. So um, call that the Steve Wacker bread and butter. Is it Wacker? I don't know. He's been doing. He's been doing a lot, hasn't he? I don't know. I feel yeah. like he and he signs them. Wacker. Yeah, but um, I don't uh, think he's doing that book. Yeah, but I this is this is you know it's been um it's been good. Uh, no, this is a Brevoort book. Yeah, uh, Brevoort and Panicia. Wow. So, um, but anyway, um. But yeah, no, it's just it's just it's just kind of fun, you know, fun big action, big kind of you know Marvel based, you know, just like something something happens, they fight, something happens, they fight, and that kind of thing. And it's not it does, and it's it's interesting because it doesn't feel as um, complex. Like cause I was actually curious about this because if you listen to Fra- when I talked to Fraction um, about the book when we did, don't miss about it. Also, when Sutter talked about Word Balloon, he talked about how he's doing it Marvel style, mainly in a way to challenge his own kind of writing style. And and it's interesting because it is it is lighter and it is less dense than the previous stuff I've read of his. Um, not saying it's perfect by any means, but it's um, it, it would it, be really hard to switch to Marvel style if you've just been doing yeah. full script. Here's yeah. a, here's the thing. In case you don't know this at home. Because uh, a lot of people might not. Uh, there's sort of two accepted ways of doing scripts in comics. One is full script where you say page one, panel two. This is what happens in it. Here's the dialogue. You give it to the artist. They interpret it. That can be as detailed as you and your artist want it to be. And there's Marvel style, which was how Stan Lee did it basically, was he would give them a plot. Sometimes it was broken down by page by pages. Sometimes it was just here's what happens in the issue. And then you know Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko would just do all the pages. And then Stan would go in later and put the dialogue. That's right. Marvel style. Yeah. It, so yeah. So it's so it's putting in dialogue over the already drawn art. Um, and now, admittedly, Marvel style has evolved over the years. Like that, it's it's very simple in the the, the Stanley Jack Kirby way was is very simplified in that he Jack would draw it and then Stan would dialogue over it. Now there's a little more specific specificity. Um, and I think Fraction got into it when he talked to Suntress about it. I remember hearing that. But you know, he'll say like on this page, this needs to happen, but leaves it open to Dotson to be able. We got Dotson. You got to really trust your artist to do the, that. Yeah, and I think Terry Dotson is somebody who. 
and they, they've worked together a lot, you know, and it looks great. I mean, and it flows mm-hmm. and it looks, you know, it's really kind of engaging. That's the thing. Like I said, it's not, it's not the, I mean, it's not going to win an Eisner. It's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not, you know, I mean, it's not changing anything, but it, for what a Defenders comic is, which is essentially, you know, just a, a ragtag random team, you know, with, you know, with a little bit of a backbone of Doctor Strange, it's, it's, uh, it's, do, it's doing the job. So. Um, yeah. So it's the classic lineup plus Iron Fist. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. So well, so yeah. So it's Strange, Namor, Silver Surfer, and then She Hulk and Iron Fist. Yep. Oh, so I, I'm Hulk. so sick of this yeah. this blonde white rich guy quota they're trying to fill. <laughs> you know, he's actually kind of uh, he's actually kind of wacky about. It. I mean, in this, like, it's actually it's funny because it's like because Fraction was saying he couldn't wait to get back to writing Iron Fist after doing it with Brewbreaker. You know, so on, was, on that on that good. one, it was great years ago. But like, but this Iron Fist reads it's different. different. Yeah, yeah, and what Bendis has been doing with him in in New Avengers. Like it just, I mean, I, you know, it's still, I love, I, I still love the white and gold costume. I really do like that. But, um, um, but yeah, just kind of like he, like in the first issue, he was just, you know, wanted to read comics and was just very kind of aloof and kind of white. And I was like, oh, this isn't the same kind of guy. But, um, no, but it's good. And and She Hulk is uh, a, a, an interesting addition. Like that's a, you know, while it's a, a, you know, a trope or a, you know, whatever, in a, you know, a, an offshoot of an established character, it is a new character, and I'm enjoying, you know, I'm enjoying seeing. I've never read much She Hulk, so it's. Um, is it Red She Hulk? It's, it's, it's Red She Hulk. It's Betty. Yeah, it's Betty. So, yep. So. God, there's just no, there's just no knowing Bruce Banner. You're gonna be hulked out eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, that's Defenders. Swamp Thing number five had a really disturbing cover because pigs are scary when you think about it. <laughs> they are. <laughs> they'll eat anything. Yeah, they'll eat, they'll eat you. It's true. Just ask Mr. Wu. So delicious. <laughs> I thought uh, nice to have Yannick Paquette back. Yep. Yes. I don't yes. think that the fill-in guy last time did a bad job at all. No. But you can see the difference, even if you can't necessarily put your finger on it correctly. Um, I just I realized that Swamp Thing's not in this book. He has, he has, he's only been a couple the, of panels the whole run so yeah. far. Yeah. Which which I'm not. This is not a complaint. Although, just, did you see the I did you see the la- did you see the last page? Yeah, I mean they're they're obviously alluding to Alec is is going to be like yeah. He's, he's starting to use his control over the plant, which we weren't even sure he had, yeah. which is kind of cool. And uh, that was a fun issue. It was it was very fast, though. I felt like it was over really quickly. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the threats were – it was funny. They, they put the kid in the tree. There you go. <laughs> I especially awesome. enjoyed the layouts of this issue. I was yeah. just about to make that comment, yeah. The, they're, they're crazy, but they work. There's, there's no storytelling problems, but they're, yeah. they're, there's no grids. There's no, there's no real panel borders here. It's all like thick lines that sort of angrily splashed across it's, the page. It's almost organic. Yeah. But, hmm. but, well, that's obviously what they're, they're going for. But yeah. what I think is cool is a lot of times when you see those kind of layouts that are sort of all crazy, they, they do a lot of panels. And in these, I think they he actually lets it breathe a lot. Yeah. It's not too many panels per page. It's four, five, six, but but sort of all over the place. Whereas you know you've seen Neil Adams do a page like that, and there's there's teeth, and there's you know like twelve, thirteen panels or something like that. Yeah. But um, no, no, I'm 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 more impressed by Yannick Paquette in this title um, since he started than anything I've seen him done previously. Mm-hmm. I think it's really nice to see him kind of let loose, kind of in the way, in, in the direction that he's going with this. And I, I would never thought I would have made five issues on Swamp Thing, but here I am, still, still reading it. Is Francesco Francavilla still going to do this, or has that quietly gone away? Was he supposed to do it? He was supposed to be the other artist on originally, this, but, but it's, it must have gone away. That Marco Rudy must be the yeah. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Uh, no one's mentioning it. I, yeah. just, I just realized now. Interesting. Um, well, it's yes. like anything until it actually see it on the page. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. In yeah. comics, you never can assume. Yep. The announcement's going to happen. So. Punisher number seven was the reuni- reuniting of the one of the uh, Gotham Central teams of Greg Rucka, Michael Lark, and Stefano Guadiano. Um, there's a fill in artist team. 
Uh, I'm really enjoying this book. Yeah. I'm still really enjoying this book. It's it's fun. I like the fact that Punisher, like Swamp Thing, is very rarely in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of a force of nature on the outside. Whenever he shows up, it's scary. In that sense, it's very much like Gotham Central and Batman was barely in the book. Um, but it's mostly about the cops and mostly about the, vic- the victims, mostly about the people, the reporters, the people trying – everybody around the Punisher. And the Punisher shows up and causes havoc and then it's everybody else dealing with it. And um, Was the Punisher even in this issue other than the flashback? No. Yeah, that's great. So, no. That flashback, my God, that two-page spread of the of yeah. Daredevil Punisher back in the day fighting, that was like – I turned that I was, and I was like, oh, man, I wish Michael Lark was on this book all the time. And the uh, guy from the Warriors in the background? Yeah, Warriors <laughs> come I, out I've gotta, and play. I've got to give uh, – I've got to give credit to the to the light week feature. Yes, uh, where Connor mentioned this, and I was like, "Oh, oh!" So I I bought this right away because I I had dropped off much to my own chagrin because I really I just couldn't deal with the art yeah. on, on it uh, before. Um, it's going to be rough going back. Yep. Well, see, I really like the art. I like because it's a sort of really? it's sort of horror esque in that. Right. So it works in that sense when he shows up. It's it's really kind of scary when the way that um, Chichado draws him or Chichado. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it really does work for what they're doing with this book. But this was a great issue. You could pick this up on your own yep. without having knowing anything and uh, yeah. enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, and, 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 it, and actually, if you're looking on for a jumping on point for Punisher, this could be it because it, it gives you – it fleshes out the, the two cops that are associated with it and really kind of lays out what's kind of what's going on. Um, you know, and and I thought Michael Lark. I mean, the the shots of them driving upstate. I mean, that. I mean, Connor. I mean, like, yeah. I've, we, we've driven on that parkway. Yeah, like, no, like it was. It like is so good. Yeah, it's it's to crib a phrase. It's good lark. Yeah, it's good lark. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know of bad lark. I can't yeah. be. I don't remember a time where I was like, this Michael Lark issue is awful. Well, he is the but, ladies' man, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, there's that's, a, there's a flashback. Yeah, I know. I want to bring rich people back. By the way, <laughs> I saw your tweet. I saw. I want to work that. on that. All right, good luck with. That. Isn't that Connors to bring back? Isn't that? Connors yeah, you can't yeah. just bring back my joke. Rich I'm people. not. I'm not. I'm. Who's whoa. <laughs> Are we, uh, we're not a partnership now. I see. That's how it is. It's, it's been every man. It's been every man for himself for years. Ron said it's no prisoners. <laughs> no prisoners. Oh, wow, that's how it's 2012. Man, we're not pulling any punches. We're not. We're not holding back anymore. You know, like listen, we've been we've been playing with kid gloves all these years. Now, and now we're getting. Now it gets real. What am I so saying? Did, so, did, so did he buy this Punisher knife like down in on? on no, like, he got it in the crime scene. Twenty fourth Street. No. Oh, where did in, the Punisher get the knife? In the knife district? Yeah. No, he engraved it. He has a knife engraver. And, and, yeah. <laughs> he got a Dremel for Christmas one year? Like the year, the Christmas before his family got murdered, his wife got him a Dremel. Yeah. And that's, yeah. That's and just by coincidence, yeah. he put a skull on that thing. Yeah. Because, you know, skulls are cool. So yeah. It was the 70s. I love the idea. I love the, the thing that no one ever talks about in comics is how these guys get all this, all these logos produced <laughs> yeah, and that's embroidered. Hard. If you ever tried to do that in real life, it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but meanwhile, all these Batman's guys... Batman's got everything. He's got a bat on it. It's boots. Yeah. <laughs> Where does he get a boot with a bat on the sole of the boot? Yeah, who do you... Who, Somewhere there's an, an undocumented dude... In Gotham City, who who's he was scared off his ass. He's but the he's the, cob, he's the cobbler of the many humans. Yeah. He's really he's really sick of bats. Well, there was that great short story in 1989 when the Batman movie was the big craze. They put out a short story book of Batman stories written by guys like Isaac Asimov and people like um, big names in in genre comics. And one of the stories was about a guy, a little cobbler in like the garment district, who had a tiny little office whose whole job was to make superhero costumes and villain costumes, and it was like neutral territory. It was a really good story. Well, that's like I mean, and Kirkman picked up on that with Invincible, and I kind of wish he would go back to that. Like I used to love that. There's the dude who made the costumes, mm-hmm. and yeah. and they and they done that in Spider Man, I think too. There's a, there's the, the the costume guy who worked for Wasn't both, both sides. Fla- Flash had a guy. He had a name. Oh, Tom did he? used to talk about it. Remember? Really? He did all the he did all the oh, super villain costumes. Yeah, I 
remember. I totally remember. Oh, what was that guy's name? I forget. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. And there's so. Edna from The Incredibles. Yes, of course. So, yeah, it's a good uh, concept. Somebody they should bring that back. So, anyway, um, so if you're looking for uh, comics and uh, you 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 don't you're tired of them piling up around your house and the books everywhere, you should consider the world of digital comics and you should check out Graphically. Uh, Graphically is iFanboy's parent company, and we're uh, so excited to move into 2012 with what Graphically's got coming up. Um, if you go to Graphically.com, you can download and read comics uh, from publishers like uh, Marvel and Image and Arkea and IDW, Boom, um, Top Cow. There's hundreds and hundreds of publishers there thousands of comics uh, that you definitely check out uh, apps for the ios android um a your you know kindle fire book uh from amazon uh, barnes and noble nook color uh, nook tablet we've got stuff for you there um just tons and tons of comics for you to enjoy uh so go to graphly.com follow them on twitter twitter.com slash graphly don't miss a thing um and if you have an ipad if you got an ipad for christmas um you might want to check out some new titles came out for the uh, ios newsstand uh, from image and top cow you can you can uh, get witchblade or darkness or hack slash or super dinosaur or charmed from xenoscope uh, all delivered to your ipad don't miss a single issue you can subscribe just straight from the app it's super cool uh, i'm actually a big fan of that, that product because it's a it's actually a really neat way to consume your comics so um yeah so check it out go to graphly.com check it all out we thank them for their support the best thing that happened to avengers x sanction was the recent announcement of avengers versus x-men versus because <laughs> now it no longer has the worst title yeah it really is true <laughs> wait till they give one of those a point two uh, uh, th- th- uh, this this is just a mess. <laughs> it's just a mess. It's just it's just it's just a complete mess. What's it's, the first issue a mess? Yeah, the first issue was a mess. Remember that I, I, I described the first issue as this is the, this comic. This is not my kind of comic. Um, <laughs> But, but you bought the second issue. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I got because this is this is this is one of seven starting points to the 2012 big event. Exactly. Is it, is it <laughs> You'd never, Children's Crusade, or yeah. is it this, or yeah. what is, you, is it? You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to follow along. I wouldn't at all. I need to know. Well, no, but it ties into you know cable and hope and like ties into my X Men kind of world, and so I want to know what's happening in it. But like honestly, like this isn't McGinnis's best work. Um, Cable just looks awful. Like I don't like the way he's drawing Cable, and I know you know. So Cable's got twenty four hours to live, and the techno organic virus is taking him over. And yeah, I've uh, never heard that one. That's yeah. a new take on it. And you know, in this one, he fights Iron Man, and he uses some tech from the future, some some Iron Man Stark tech from the future that Stark hasn't invented yet. And you know, it's just kind of like the same. I've seen this fight over, you know, over and over again. Uh, you know, like it's really nothing new. And then Red Hulk shows up, and just as the uh, orga- techno organic virus overtakes his 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 face. Um, you know, you know how you've seen it before. Yeah. That's because that's what people want. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they want to see what they've seen before. Yeah. It's easier, and it's funny because like seeing seeing Red Hulk now, um, written and uh, by Loeb and drawn by McGinnis after like a year plus of Red Hulk in you know by Parker and Hardman and mm-hmm. Zercher and the other guys, and as well as other places where he pops up, I I kind I, I kind of like I don't like the Loeb McGinnis Red Hulk. Like he's kind of mean. He snarls and like it's you know all this kind of you know and like and I I like the the Red Hulk and Jeff Parker's book a lot better. Who <laughs> feels kind of like an old man yeah. soldier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's it's subtle. It's definitely subtle, and a lot of it has to do with McGinnis because McGinnis draws him with that big grin and the glowing mm-hmm. the glowing yellow eyes, and that's what, you know. But um, that's that's this is not really fair to McGinnis. Yeah. I mean, like he he started it. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, and and I and honestly, I, I loved him. You know, well, if I ended up falling in love with it by the end of the run. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, no. It's just, it's, I thought that was an interesting note. I was like, ooh, it's, after after reading Red Hulk by other people, it's weird to come back to him. You know, by these creators. So, mm-hmm. anyway. Action Comics Five was funny because the cover says it begins again, and it's the rocket ship leaving Krypton, and and one of the one of the 
rumors about the whole reboot is, is partially to escape this lawsuit that the Siegel and Schusters are. Um, that makes uh, for good comics. Enact, yeah. uh, enacted on DC, so you figure you're going to get a new origin here, and you basically got the same origin. Exactly. Like almost exactly. So I was I went into it reading, waiting for a new origin, waiting for some sort of new twist, and there was some minor tweaks. But other than that, it's pretty much exactly the same origin as before. So I wonder what's going on with the, with which, the lawsuit. Which, which, by the way, made it really boring for me. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, See, it's I, just like, I, I like origins. I've, I've, I've read Superman origins so many times. Yeah. yeah but and if you're not going to change it, I mean, they just did it. Like, have they just did Superman origin? That was like two years ago, maybe. And Earth One. Yeah, and then Earth One. Although that, you know, that's gone. That's out of my head. Yeah, it's out of there completely. Um, I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't terribly enthused by this. I have. I, I continue to not be enthused by this action book, even though you know. I've I've liked the story that was going on, but now we got to go back. And I mean, I get it. I I get it. I just kind of wish I'd skipped it because you know. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's the uh, I kept waiting for the twist. I kept re- turning a page. Maybe be new now. Nope. 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 Nothing. Uh, meanwhile, though, OMAC continues to be the funnest book. I, one of the funnest books I read week in and week out. It's awesome. How many, how many issues do you think you got left of this one? I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't know, but I hope, I hope a lot because this, this actually, this feels like an old Marvel book. That's yeah, no, it, it's very, it's very Stan Lee esque. Yeah. yeah, it feels like a '60s Marvel book. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and I'm actually going to now. It's crossing over with Frankenstein, and I'm actually going to get the Frankenstein issue because that's how much I'm enjoying this. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Frankenstein is a big character in this book, and actually Jeff Lemire gets a co-writing credit in the beginning of this issue. Which and is awesome. uh, it, this is this is the the biggest surprise of the line. Still, it still continues to yep. be it's, that that two page spread of them fighting with the no sound effects. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a great book. This is there's there's nothing I don't love about this book, and it may end next month. It may end in three months. I don't really you know. I'll uh, enjoy it as long two, as it comes. Two books that aren't selling real well crossing over seems odd. Yeah, but it seems at least you know they're not doing it as a stunt, right? Yeah, no, they're just doing it because because it makes because they they want because Lemire's like, hey, you want to cross over with me? He does it with everybody. Yeah, but it also makes sense. It makes sense for Swamp Thing and and Act and Animal Man. Yeah, across oh over. yeah, That's sense right. here for Omac and Frankenstein to cross over. In fact, yeah. oh, Frankenstein being in most of this book felt natural. It felt like he should be in yeah. this book. Um, it really he really worked out, and the fight between him and Omac was great. Yeah, um, I really love this book. Yep. I thought that this next title was a typo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I was like, am I missing a comma? What's going on here? Wolverine, no. Wolverine and the X-Men Alpha and Omega, number one. Man versus X-Men. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is Brian Wood's tri- triumphant return back to uh, Marvel um, with, uh, with a miniseries focusing on Quentin Quire versus, um, versus Wolverine. And it's got you know, kind of a double art duties with uh, half the art by Roland Boshi and Dan Brown and the other half by Mark Brooks with a bunch of other people. <laughs> well, that sounds like a win. Yeah. Aren't they doing this this character work in Wolverine the X Men? That's my complaint about it, is that I don't really understand. So this this picks up this literally picks up to the point where the recap page on the fir- from the first issue features art by Chris Pacello and recaps kind of what happened in Wolverine and X Men. I think three issues into the Wolverine X Men, a, a offshoot miniseries to tell a little side story might be too soon. Um, and especially with especially with what's going on with Quentin in, in that book, uh, I'm struggling with okay, well, how does this fit in continuity wise, and you know, and like, and how does this fit in, and and this actually, I actually didn't quite enjoy this because it wasn't Wolverine the X Men. Like I kind of I'm like, no, don't use this. Don't well, it use just, that it world. It just seems you know? like one of the central con- you know yeah. conflicts in that book is Quentin Quire and Wolverine, and now it's they're spinning it off their own thing. Yeah. And- 
I didn't get this for that reason. I was like, well, I don't want to. I feel like that tone is very specific in that book, and I don't necessarily want to read it in another book with yeah. a different tone. So, so basically, what happened was that Quentin continues his um, his uh, grudge against Wolverine, and and to prove that he's you know one of the most powerful mutants there, he uh, attacks mentally attacks Wolverine in armor and puts them into a a in their head a world a, a world in the um, in New York or whatever, or like a you know kind of post apocalyptic New York or whatever it might be. Um, and so they're 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 living out this construct that he's built, and meanwhile Quentin back in Westchester is trying to keep the construct going. So that's that's the that's the premise, and it was all right. I mean, it just it just didn't excite me as much as the Wolverine X Men series did. So. Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't get it. Yeah. I, I they're, so they're, dilu- they're diluting their brand. Yeah, that's that, actually it feels feel very diluted. So, huh. well, what can you do? Boy, everybody listening to home was like, "Well, that was really that was just unenthusiastic." Yeah, it was, it was, it was very unenthusiastic. Well, we Sorry, the top yeah. of the show. It's not. It wasn't a week where I finished my books, going, "Wow, that was awesome." There was, yeah. I kind of just went through my books this week and yeah. didn't. Uh, other than that's like, why. That's couple, why peanuts was the pick. Yeah, it made, okay. made me feel good. Made me happy. That's okay. Sure. Oh, the bitch. And they're paying. They're paying big time. The, <laughs> the feminist Nazi, uh, feminist lobby. They got to you. <laughs> Right, so, I wasn't supposed to say anything. Shit. So those are a bunch of books that came out this week that we enjoyed or didn't enjoy. <laughs> but um, you <laughs> you and the iFanboy community read a lot of comic books as well. And if you go to iFanboy.com slash comics, is where you can do your pull list. Then you can come back and you can rate and review the books as well as you can make your own picks of the week. And uh, Connor, why don't you highlight what the top five picks of the weeks are for the week? For the first number, week of 2012. Uh, well, the pick of the week uh, was penis number one. And that got 2.3%. I don't know what number that was at, but it was – Lower than the top five. Number five was Action Comics, number five, with 3.2%. Number four was OMAC with number five, with 6.3%. Number three was Animal Man, number five, with 11.5%. Number two was Fatal, number one, with 15.9%. And the number one pick of the week amongst the iFan base was Swamp Thing, number five, with 45.3%, which wow. is a lot. Wow. I was not expecting Marvel that. Marvel just got shut out. They did. They totally got shut out. They didn't have anything really big this week. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They really. Although I did miss. The, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but I did miss the Avengers annual. I got to go back and pick that up because I do like the annuals. But anyway, um, okay. So, but a bunch of you also wrote reviews of books, and want to highlight some of those. And the first one comes from Grifter number seven, uh, Grifter seventy eight, who reviewed Stormwatch number five and gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five. And one point three percent of you made it your pick of the week. And Grifter seventy eight said, "Wow, what an amazing issue." I thought Cornell had wrapped up the previous conflict last issue a little too quickly, but now I know why he did. This issue had exactly what I wanted. Good character moments, great action, and an amazing cliffhanger. One of the things people have mentioned about the first two issues of this title is how fast-paced it was. Some people liked it, while others didn't. It didn't bother me as much because I already knew half these characters, so there wasn't much for me to learn. But I can see how a new reader might get lost in so many characters. Cornell does a good job of slowing things down enough at the beginning of this issue to give a nice in-story recap of the characters and their powers. He also throws in tidbits of information about some of the characters that hadn't previously been shared. This is a nice way to get readers up to speed if they were a little lost before and uh, <laughs> i just had to laugh because so this is five issues in from the new Stormwatch, and then it's, it's basically the last page says Stormwatch number six Stormwatch reborn <laughs> <laughs> like they're basically relaunching Stormwatch six issues later in the sixth is issue that, is this the last paul cornell issue or yeah is it- i think it is I bought and I bought it. And I think I'm not buying it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not buying it anymore. This, but this was a every, big if this down. whole. If this, yeah, but it, the thing is, it it had promise and yeah. it just it deflated. And if the whole thing was Apollo and Midnight are walking around getting to know each other, hell yes. Yep. That's those parts are fantastic. And also, if the the Photoshop coloring 
had any idea what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, I did that last time. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it again. No, I know. I, I just I'm just laughing at the fact. That, I mean, the issue was all right, and and you know, kind of wrapped it up or whatever. Then the big thing blew up at the end, and you know, whatever. But I just had to. I just I just laughed out loud when I got the last page when it's like when it says 2012, the end of the world starts here. You know, and they said check out the consequences of this page. Check out Grifter number seven, Superman number six, Stormwatch number six, Stormwatch reborn. Like, really? You just did it. You just did it six months yeah. ago. <laughs> like, oh well. Comics. We got to get people interested. Yeah. You know, maybe ditching your creative team. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. So. <laughs> Stanley <laughs> reviewed the Avengers annual number one and gave the story a four out of five. And the art of four out of five and 0.2% of you made it to pick of the week. And just as an aside, I checked and Peanuts was number six yeah. on the list. So it's yeah. pretty good showing for not, Peanuts. Not bad. Yeah. Stanley says, this was a really pleasant surprise. With any annual, you never know what you're getting into. Is it part of the overall storyline? Is it a standalone issue? Does it have anything to do with the monthly at, at all? Spin the wheel, cough up a little more cash than usual, and find out. Well, I spun this one and was glad I did. Bendis brought back a highly interesting plot line that he started way back in the beginning of this particular renumbering and left the reader with a satisfying ending that promised more without hinting at obvious, any obvious future directions. What really pushed this issue for me, though, was the art. Delato made even the actionless pages pop with this heavy-handed ink work. I didn't read it. I, I missed it, so. <laughs> it was the return of Wonder Man and Angry Wonder Man. That's all I know. Oh, really? I don't really buy I like annuals for books yeah. I read, but I wasn't. Uh, I don't really care about Wonder Man not yeah. liking the Avengers being in. So it was the Revengers. Yeah. Whatever. Ooh. Wasn't that in the last? Didn't they already do that annual? They did it. Well, that's what he said. They, they did it at the very beginning of the, the renumbering. He, they fought Wonder Man, and they sort of dropped that, and then he's back now. But wasn't one of the other annuals like it was funny because I was like the Avengers annual number one. I was like, okay, come on, you're you're taking a like it's Avengers annual number one volume five. You know, yeah. like let's. It's been a lot of annual number ones. Is it a lot of number ones? Obviously, they sell and get pick of the weeks, a lot. Yeah. Oh, so to each your own, and so that's why that's why you go to ifanboycom comics and you can write your own reviews, and you can share your opinions, and you might agree or disagree. It's it's up to you. That's as a community. That's what we're here for, to celebrate ideas so and take no prisoners. Take no prisoners. Twenty twelve or God. give no quarter. The buck stops here. So whoa! <laughs> All right, on to Not the, one inch. On to the emails. <laughs> we're the beach. Mitch says, with a lot of the new new fifty two books coming to a close with their first arc, I have a few questions. What do you feel DC did right with the relaunch, and what do you think they did wrong, such as what they did and did not deal with when rebooting? Also, as a trade reader, the relaunch got me to monthly reading and got me excited for Wednesdays. Do you feel the relaunch did, did bring in the estimated amount of new readers DC was trying to recapture, or do you think it was mostly old fans? Let's stay down with DC. So that's a tough question. To this. The second question is the way to answer. No. Speculation. Uh, let's, let's talk about, let's say, Connor, what do you think DC did right and wrong? Right was they tried a lot of new kind of characters in books, uh, like Omac or um, Grifter or Animal Man or Swamp Thing, characters you never would have had that never would have had books a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the best thing I think to come out of this book was, the, and they put top level creators in them, and they're doing great books. I think that was the biggest thing they did right with the relaunch was try new things. Okay, what do you think they've done wrong? I didn't think they went far enough. I think they, they left too much bleed over from the old world, and it's still very confusing in that sense. I think they should have just started with a really, really fresh, complete reboot from from the, from the start, and not, not had anything to do with the old world at all. 
Ron? Um, I think what they did right, I agree with Connor, is that they went to characters that um, they took risks on some characters while also, um, you know, giving a basis and a, and a, you know, the establishment of the characters that they, that we already knew and would expect. Um, I think what they did wrong was I don't think that they gave enough time to breathe with those books and those creative teams like we saw some changes and things like that and they didn't and they kind of while they said this is all brand new they like you said they didn't go far enough like they you know like leaving and admittedly I wouldn't want to fuck with what Scott Snyder did and, and whatever was going on Batman and we know what was going on Green Lantern and all that sort of stuff but those stuff never felt new and I actually think that there's also if you look at the if you look at the whole line of DC like and which I makes which makes sense from a business standpoint not from a fan standpoint or an editorial standpoint but like what was it like 12 Batman books six Superman books you know what I mean like it would just seem very and that's what was before too but it just seemed very heavy on what was you know, it, it was a way of basically what they did was they waved their hands like look it's brand new brand shiny and new and it really wasn't you know so that's that's my well, for certain books or some yeah. other books it's very new yes yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would say that that sort of falls under the right the thing they did right with it just overall um, was they created a hype that was mostly justified yeah. And it got people excited and it got people buying books. And it is one of those floats all boats kind of things. It brought people into the shops and uh, that's something that nobody has been able to do with anything near the success of them. So that's good for everybody. It's just, it's just good, good for digital. It's good for retailers, you know, creators, things like that. Wrong. Uh, editorial seems to be a bit of a mess uh, in certain, certain aspects. They're kicking creative teams off in certain places after barely getting a chance to get started. A lot of the books had had dog teams on them you know they had like characters that nobody cared about that didn't have a didn't have a shot in hell yeah uh and you've already no one's talking about them already so they could they could i think that i think they could have reached further with their talent and then when they did that let those people run a little bit um and do that well, that says they're consistent because that's what they did before. Yes, totally. <laughs> no, I mean it was uh, like editorials a mess before, editorials a mess now. Those, well, right, and you're you're going to talk about being the, you're going to talk about being the same. Okay, they, the books felt a lot of books felt the same. The books that were really good that were being done by people were, were those people were then doing really good different books. Yeah, but you know, there's there's still it's still much more of a win than it was a loss. The question of whether or not you know they brought in new readers or not is a is a. You know that's that's the question. I mean, if you look at you know December numbers recently just came in and Marvel was on top again. So, it's because DC didn't put any books out the last week. Marvel did. True. Good point. But um, that's, that's but, you know, but the question. But do you really think that they, there are all new readers? I, no, I, I, no, I, yeah. I don't. We, I think there are hardly any. Yeah. Yeah. And the answer is we don't know. And the answer is that probably if they came in at all, they probably came in on the digital side. But again, we don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I, my guess is the people who buy comic books, people who are listening to the show, you guys out there, myself included, you guys. Just bought a lot more DC books than they were. Uh, I doubt the people who have never read comics came in in any great number. I'm sure some did. I'm sure they're outliers. Uh, but I bet people came back. I bet people who had left. Most, came back. I think new people would be the people that came back. I think that's right. And, I, I, yeah. and I, that's what they were looking for. If you're if they're being honest, and if, if they weren't talking to your press release, you know, yeah. right. that, that's they've mentioned it a little bit in, in the beginning. Is they were looking to re- bring the people back who were reading in the 90s. Yeah, the, the lapsed readers are the people who abandoned them. Yeah. So, I don't yeah, know. That's, we're successful in certain in a certain sense, but we don't know for sure. There's no way we will know. Yeah, I think I think time will tell in that. Like, do does it just go right back to where it was? You know, within the next six, seven, eight months. Eventually, it will. That's just the nature of attrition in the, in the mm-hmm. industry. Eventually, oh. we'll get back to there. So they start but a cycle of rebooting they, everything. They bought and they bought that they bought themselves a couple of more years. 
Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, and who knows what their goals are internally. I mean, like, was to, you know, they needed to move units and, you know, make a big splash and do something. They, they accomplished that, you know, and they could be happy yeah. with that. So who knows? You know. Yeah, I could just yeah. see the meeting at the, the next quarterly meeting. Yeah. So what happened to these numbers? We work in comics. <laughs> exactly. I thought, we've, I thought we talked about this. All right. Uh, next email is from Elizabeth from Santa Rosa, who says, I've never been to any comic book event, mainly because I'm new to reading comics, and nothing is ever in Northern California. I'm a fan of many image books. I saw that they're having a comic expo in Oakland, but their website hasn't much info up. So my question is simple. Do you guys think it would be worth going to? Um... Yeah, only because. Do you like image books? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you like image books, then if you look at the, they're starting to release more information about who's going to be there, and it's pretty much everybody who's working on image is going to be there. Um, but then also, what's interesting is that they're, you know, that they they've opened it up to anybody supporting creator on comics. So I've heard through the grapevine that there are going to be other exhibitors there, other publishers there beyond just image. There are going to be other publishers that that do creator on comics. So and they're going to be, uh, they're going to have. Uh, like artist alley tables and tables for creators and things like that. So, I mean, it has potential. All that said, it's the first year of a new show, so it could suck. We don't know. There's no there's no precedence yet for it. Thing, things overheard at the show. Oh, have you seen the lines at the image booth? <laughs> at the door. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so who, I mean, it, it is an untested thing. So, but the thing is, if you're in Northern California and you you got a um, you know you want to go to a comic event and you're not quite you know like you're, you're not you got nothing to do that weekend, go give it a shot. It can't hurt. I mean, I'm in San Francisco. I'm gonna go. Um, you know, I'm excited because there are a lot of people I know are gonna be there and all the fun stuff. And we're gonna we're gonna be there in some capacity through iFanboy and or graphically. So um, you know, there's a professional reason to be there. But um, you know, it's interesting. If you like Image Comics, go. You know, if you only read Marvel and DC, I probably yeah, I would. Yeah, if you're only yeah, if you're only uh, an Avengers fan, then you're you're kind of shit out of luck. Um, a question is, I don't know if there's going to be any dealers or not. Like it's it's a lot of op- a lot of open questions. But it, there's no yeah, yeah, no one no one really knows the details. So they do, hopefully, assumingly they do. Yeah, hopefully they do. Comics. <laughs> so. Man. All right, so if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Um, and you can also vo- call us and leave us a voicemail like this gentleman. Hi, fanboys. This is uh, Jake Elliott from Pure, Illinois. Um, I have a friend at work whose passion is war movies, but has never read a comic book. Um, the more historically accurate the movie, the more they like it. Um, what's the comic book equivalent of this so I can get it for him as a gift the next time that kind of thing is going on? Uh, thanks for your help. Later. I have two words for you, Jake. Garth Ennis. Uh, he's what you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, I did a series uh, of, of short stories, sort of a little war anthology uh, for Dynamite called uh, Battlefields. I think there is there one or two trades out. There's two trades. There's two. Uh, there's, there's a new trade. It may be a re-release. I'm not sure, but there's definitely a, a hardcover of the first three, which yeah. are the best ones. But, anyway. but that's a great one to start with. You give them that. And that's uh, – they're fiction, but they're they're uh, factual, uh, definitely. He did other store other things for Vertical called War Stories. Um, which were mostly World War II, I think, a little World War One also, um, that were just straight-up um, war stories. All these great British artists who drew wonderful tanks and planes and stuff like that. Uh, as far as sort of true war stories, um, there's a great book called Alan's War, um, which is more of indie, but it was about a guy's uh, time uh, in, in Italy during World War II. Um, there's a bunch of other Connors. You, you must know something. Two generals. Two Generals. Oh, that's that's a great one. Two Generals by Scott Chandler. Um, it's a story of Scott's, God, I'm going to say grandfather, great-grandfather, um, serving uh, for Canada uh, in the war. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff out there. 
Um, Sergeant that's, that's Fury and Howling Commandos. Mm-hmm. Wait, that's that was oh, factual. Joe Kubert stuff. What was that one that he did the the recently? Oh, uh, oh, 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 Vietnam. Dong Zhuai. Uh, Dong Zhuai. Nineteen sixty-eight. That's yeah. factual. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. that is factual. That's that's yeah. a straight up uh, telling, yeah. and he took it very seriously. Um, if you want it, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you want other wars, but like Joe Sacco does does comics of war zones. He did one in, about Bosnia uh, called Safe Area Garage, which is good. Uh, also, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a lot of good war comics. Uh, I don't think a ton of people read them, but they definitely exist. Yeah. Cool. All right, so on to our next question. Uh, i got a question about a classic character. Hey, guys. Ben from Brooklyn here. Love the podcast. Uh, quick question. I've, uh, I never read Hulk growing up, and uh, real recently somebody gave me the trade of World War Hulk by Greg Pak and John Romita Jr., Read it, loved the writing, loved the art, and uh, I'm just wondering, based on that, if there's some other Hulk trades you'd recommend, um, if it's worth me going back and reading Planet Hulk now that I've read World War Hulk. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Peace. Well, if you liked World War Hulks, then you should probably definitely check out Planet, Planet Hulk. I mean, yeah. That was all spinning around at the same time, and same creative teams were involved, and, and that's, that was really the same era. So if you like one, you probably like the other. Yeah. And there's the Red Hulk series that came out after that, which run I really enjoyed. There was I have seven trades of that. That's the Loeb McGinnis run. Yeah. Um, there's also then then it comes into Jeff Parker and Hardman. That's part of that run. That's uh, part of that trade run also. So there's but a lot of like Red Hulk. There's a lot of those. Yeah. But meanwhile, besides that, Greg Pak, who did Planet Hulk and World War Hulk, had been writing one of the Hulk books that whole time through. Uh, it was Incredible Herc for a little while, but basically he did a long run on on Hulk. So there's should be a a long sort of uh, string of those trades. And then if you want to go kind of historical, kind of go back in the past, um, Marvel has reprinted uh, Hulk Visionaries, and uh, it's mainly Peter David. I mean, Peter, b- before, you know, before Greg Pak um, and Bruce Jones beforehand, but that wasn't as good. But um, Peter First da- Bruce Jones shared yeah, good. Yeah, but the whole, the rest it of the quickly Mark. fell apart. Yeah. But, um, but the, the Hulk Visionaries, Peter David, there's like eight volumes of those, um, and they, they're collecting the old Hulk issues from like the 330s, uh, close to 400 or so, close to issue 400, and he told some great stories with uh, Future Imperfect and the Maestro and all that sort of stuff, so there's some great Hulk stories in there as well, so. The first Bruce Jones trade has Ramita Jr. art, so if he likes the art in uh, in World oh. of Hulk's the same art, so it's it's called uh, Return of the Monster. That's that's that that trade's good. After that, it would it was no good. But yeah, so cool. All right, more so Hulk than you can deal with more than you can ever deal. Than you can shake a stick at. Uh, it's the strongest <laughs> one there is. He is smash. Hulk takes out prisoners as well. So if you have any questions, you can call us. Leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. And now that we are back in the new year, iFanboy is kicking on all cylinders, and iFanboy Don't Miss is rolling as well. That's our companion podcast, which comes out every – well, one of our many companion podcasts. Oh, yeah. There's uh, another one now. Yeah, i got to put yeah. that in the script. Yeah. Anyway, um, but uh, iFanboy Don't Miss comes out every Monday, and that's where we talk to a creator about one comic book that's coming out on, on the stands on Wednesday that you absolutely cannot miss. And this week, uh, our good friend Chris Neesman is going to be talking with artist Ryan Stegman about Scarlet Spider number one. Uh, the big launch is this Wednesday, so you definitely want to take a listen to that. It's going to appear in the feed, so if you subscribe to it. If you subscribe through iTunes, you can get it automatically or go to iFanboy.com on Monday to get iFanboy Don't Miss. Um, you can also go to iFanboy.com you can read my pick of the week. You can read the book of the month for January when it goes up. <clears throat> anyway, we do all sorts of stories and stuff. We're out of lists now. We've done all the lists yeah. and next week, I don't know what we're going to do. Listomania. Uh, if you want to know what the best of something from last year was, I got your answer is what I'm telling you. Uh, you can get over to iFanboy.com you can see all of that stuff. We've been doing it for two weeks. We're done now. So there it is. You can go to ifm.com slash about 
Uh, you can see who we are and how to hook up with us in social networks and things like that. And you can, of course, follow us on Twitter.com and Facebook.com slash iFanboy. Both of those. There's all the podcasts there. If you go backwards, you can see all the video shows and minis and everything. A new new uh, podcast we're doing of a short um, making comics podcast called iFanboys Make Comics. Uh, that's every Wednesday morning where I'm talking with Andy Schmidt, uh, who's the founder of Comics Experience. It's a, a school for basically for making comics. He used to be an editor at IDW and Marvel. Guy knows his stuff. Him and I chat for 10 minutes or so on a, a topic. If people want to make, make comics, break into comics, things like that, it's a quick hit. And it, even if you don't, uh, it sort of helps with the craft. And, and I think it's a fun, informative listen. Yeah, they've been, they've, I've been listening to them. They've been interesting. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Phew. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOY-3262697. Any questions, comments, keep it around 30 seconds. Tell us your name and where you're from. Yes. And if you dig what iFanboy does, um, go tell the world. Tell your friends. Tell your comic book store. Uh, tell anybody who might be interested in comics. They should check out the wonderful world of iFanboy.com and all the great podcasts. And if you listen to the podcast and you haven't left a review on iTunes, um, please go leave a review for this podcast, for iFanboy Don't Miss, um, for Word Balloon, for Tom vs. Aquaman, for our, uh, Around Comics, any of the other great podcasts that we all know and love and listen to. Um, and it definitely helps people discover new podcasts and helps get the word out. So we appreciate it and we thank everybody who's left a review of this podcast since the 2005 it's been a long time <laughs> it's a lot of them it's a lot of them i mean there's like there's a scary amount yeah it's really and i'm not saying to stop yeah that no keep it going that, keep it going listen for the people listening at home i'm not saying oh there's enough don't worry about it i'm saying let's let's make it more scary because yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's it's pretty awesome yeah so all right cool so first one first one of 2012 in the books it's good to be back um I've got the pick next week, is, is, I believe I do. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that'll be exciting. I always, always love to see what my first pick of the year will be. So, What will the book of the month be? Uh, that's, a good, that's another good question, too. Yeah, whoo. Um, actually, I have a couple of contenders for that, so, yeah. All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. Crap, that means I'm next. <laughs>